This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com with your hosts, Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. It's Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup at Backheel.com. Mark Fishkin, back together, Voltron style with Dave Martinez. How are you, Dave? Very happy to be back. There was a there was a poignant question on Twitter as to whether we are the Cars or Lions Voltron. Uh, just out of curiosity, since we didn't discuss it prior to the show, uh, what do you think? Well, so here's the thing. So the the Lions Voltron mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. really was the more meaningful Voltron because the Cars Voltron they were like thirty cars, like they were lots and lots. I of agree. Cars. So I think I think we're Lions. I, I think we're Lions as well. I'm glad we got that settled. Now we can move on oh, with the show. Now we can move on the show. Mm-hmm. Tonight on Seeing Red, we're going to talk about new players for the New York Red Bulls because why limit yourself to the start of the season when you can add new players? We can add players during the season. And we'll talk about a new defender. We'll talk about the need for that defender. We're going to... Oh, our guest tonight, hello, is New York Red Bulls general manager, Mark DeGrandpre, who has a pretty substantive... Uh, substantive, excuse me, interview. We're going to talk about a whole lot of things with Mark. We're going to talk about 20th anniversary celebrations. We're going to talk about blue team impact. We're going to talk about Red Bull out impact. We're going to, we're going to talk about a lot of things with Mark. And oh, we do actually have a game this weekend, unlike last weekend. The Red Bulls take on DC United Sunday at 5 p.m. at Red Bull Arena on ESPN2. So we're going to be talking about that. Lot, lot going on. Lot going on. And we've got your emails, so let's get right into it. Um, ta- Kamar Lawrence is not necessarily a known quantity, but he is the latest, newest defender on the New York Red Bulls. Uh, that he is, and he is covering a vital spot. We've spoken about uh, some of the depth issues that the team has this year, and uh, one area is definitely at the left fullback position. Kamar Lawrence, 22 years old, uh, brings a young, vibrant international flavor, Jamaican international, to the club. And somebody who could spell Roy Miller, my biggest issue with Kamar, without seeing his game or without knowing much about him, is come Gold Cup time this summer. If Roy Miller's mm-hmm. gone, then what is the point of having a Kamar Lawrence? Because from, if you've read the scouting reports, if you've uh, seen the recent history with, uh, with Jamaica, he seems to be a player there. Yeah, 13 appearances all-time for the Reggae Boys, and he's a young up-and-comer on that Jamaican defensive line. So it, it, this, this seems to me to be a real an emergency signing by Ali Curtis in terms of just getting a warm body. Right. And also, as we've talked about for years now, I mean, it's clear to me after this move, Connor Laid is going to Red Bulls too. I mean, he's going to the Baby Bulls because there is no room for him to have a meaningful role on this team when you're going to sign a guy like Kamar Lawrence. Yeah, it's kind of funny with Connor Laid. I mean, he was so explosive. Thierry Henry loved him that first year. Uh, did fall off after the injury, and it's a tough thing to watch. A good player, a really a sound locker room person as well. Uh, the only position I do see him filling in is the position that he was in during the preseason, which was at right fullback, possibly as a as a third option at, at right midfield as well. Lade is Lade has the talent to play the, uh, many different positions, mm-hmm. and you'd hope that he's utilized the right way. But as you said, you know, the, the more things progress with him, it does seem like he's heading towards that type of role with the club, and it's it's a shame. 
It really is a shame, of course, that we really need to have Kamar Lawrence start this weekend against DC United, primarily because Roy Miller picked up an ankle knock in training this week. He won't play, and our our friend Ronald Zubar will also not be playing this week due to that hamstring injury. Right. It seems uh, Roy Miller picked up a bit of a knee strain. I don't know if it was a knee strain. Sorry. Well, he got his foot caught in the turf. One of his leg parts is hurt. (laughs) He got his foot caught in turf. Uh, during training, and uh, and that has sidelined him. So, uh, quite a bit of luck there for Roy to start off the season. And Zubar again, he's still struggling with the with the hamstring injury. He's uh, he's working along with the training staff with the Red Bulls, trying to get up to form. I mean, look, this is the guy that's supposed to be this new era's version of Alave, right? The the Marsh era's Alave. So, not having him there is going to be tough. And look, Miazga has a high high ceiling, and he's most likely going to be the person to get the nod. But you saw him in that first match. You saw him down the stretch last season after a few good performances, a bit green. He has to go out there and prove himself clearly. But uh, so early in the season, for it to be the home opener against DC United and depending on Matt Miazga, who's shown himself to be a bit green at this level, uh, man, it's going to make t- for a tough, tough prospect against DC this weekend. And when we talked about, as you said, Dave, going into the season, where was the Red Bulls' Achilles heel? And it was going to be on that back line. You go and you sign a guy like Zubar, experienced guy, played uh, high level in, in, in English soccer, and then he comes in and he's out in the second match. And New York is going to have to figure out how Damien Perrinell and Matt Miazga, or perhaps uh, Jean-Baptiste, could possibly pull together. It's not what you want to be doing. It's not an ideal situation for your home opener in front of what should be and could be a very large crowd. And it, it, it doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't uh, breed a whole lot of confidence ahead of a big rivalry match coming in. So let, let's talk. Oh, there, there was one player, though, when you think about players like Dane Richards coming back to the team. Brandon Barklage was just let go by the San Jose Earthquakes. And here's a guy that in his probably in his um, uh, peak with the Red Bulls dropped two goals on D.C. United at Red Bull Arena a number of years ago, and he was a former D.C. United player that got cut, wound up in New York, and Barklage punished them. And you just kind of wonder, you feel bad, obviously, that Barklage is left off the MLS roster, but if a couple of days had gone by uh, without Lawrence, maybe Barklage would have wound up uh, taking the field with the Red Bulls. Barklage had uh, quite the career with New York uh, while he was here. Uh, it would be interesting to see if they would even give him a look, because uh, quite mm-hmm. frankly, they do need as much help on the defense as they possibly can get. If you look at the core of the Red Bull defense this year, outside of and I'm doing this off the top of my head, outside of... Uh, would you call, could you even call it a core? <laughs> well, outside of Perinel, Miller, and I'll, I'll throw Zubar out there, I don't think anybody's past 25 years old. I mean, you have a very young core there. Uh, to bring a Brandon Barklage back to take over or to at least uh, to at least bolster the right side of the fullback position, I think would be helpful uh, for the club, uh, in particular with all the absences that are, that are going to be happening this year. Uh, somebody with the experience of playing in New York, uh, somebody who's had success here, and someone who left, in the opinion of many people, a bit before his time. He really, I think he had more to give in New York. But, you know, this is uh, sports and this is how it happens. It'd be very interesting to see if he gets another look here. Carl we met is 32 years old. Just throwing it out there. Carl we met is 22. 
He's 22. He's a young man. He's incredible. Well, in, <laughs> in, in that in that case, our friends at Metro Fanatic are uh, are not their, their their stat page is not up to date. So, oh, no. my apologies. No, and Dan, no fix that page, won't you? Mm-hmm. So New York takes on a DC United team that won their only match of the season, a one nothing win over Montreal Impact at RFK Stadium on March seventh. This was not a an attacking group from DC that you were accustomed to seeing, primarily because Fabian Espindola is serving his uh, his six game suspension that he picked up after going after the ref after the Red Bulls knocked DC out of the playoffs. A they also are without Eddie Johnson, who sadly uh, appears to be suffering from some sort of heart condition that uh, is certainly sidelining him right now. And we uh, obviously wish Eddie Johnson uh, the, the, the best of recoveries. Absolutely. But Hero hey, Arietta, who is a recent addition from the Columbus crew, comes on, has one shot on goal the entire match, and it goes in the back of the net in the 58th minute against Montreal, and that was uh, all that was needed. Other than that, it was a very, very similar D.C. United team to the one that took on the Red Bulls in the Eastern Conference semifinals last year. Bill Emmett in goal, Franklin Boswell, Steve Birnbaum, and Jeff Korb, Nick DeLeon, Perry Kitchen, Arno and Rolf, and Arietta up top with party boy Chris Pontius. So this was a team that was outshot 16-13 by Montreal. Montreal had a lot of late opportunities that they were unable to convert. Saving all of their juice for the CONCACAF Champions League, apparently, because they have a, a leg up in the semifinals, mm-hmm. a 2 nothing win uh, tonight against um, Costa Rica and Alolense. They have 21-year-old Mexican Miguel Aguiar at forward, who came off the bench um, and showed quite a bit of what he could do, but... Uh, you know, DC United is not the different team. Obviously, it's the New York Red Bulls that are going to be completely different from what 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 they showed DC last time out. Absolutely, and the person in in Arietta who they have now uh, fits in so well, complements their system so well. A slasher, a runner, a constant threat. If he's able to receive any kind of service in space, he's going to be a danger. He's always going to be uh, somebody that, that has a nose for goal. Uh, that is uh, that is where DC has an advantage this weekend. This. Uh, this club, you got to give it to them. Over the last couple of years after that uh, disastrous 2013 season, they've really come back, come back as a core, and uh, and they they have now established an identity under Ben Olsen. Uh, they have continuity, more so than the Red Bulls had last year, and they're going to be a contender this year. And once again, it's going to be interesting from, uh, from Jesse Marsh's aspect. He's going out there and telling his players they're good enough to compete with anybody, and the players are really buying into into Marsh's message this year. So taking that into consideration, home opener, a bit of momentum on the Red Bull side as far as that goes, taking on a more experienced DC, uh, again, it's going to be a, another one for uh, for the history books when it comes to this rivalry. For what it's worth, Montreal played the same 4-2-3-1 that the Red Bulls will most certainly employ on Sunday afternoon, and they were able to come out with a victory. So uh, so I think this is uh, it's certainly my first prediction of the year. But Dave, I want to hear your prediction for Sunday night, 5 o'clock, Red Bulls home opener, D.C. What do you think? This is going to be one that uh, Jesse Marsh is going to want to make a statement. I think it's it's important, considering the climate in New York City currently, that the Red Bulls come out for the win. And I don't see anything short of that happening. So I'll, I'll call it a one nothing victory for New York. You are saying, Dave Martinez... Yes, I am. ...that a back line of 
Kamar Lawrence, Damian Parnell, mm-hmm. Matt Miazga, and Chris Duval mm-hmm. is going to shut out DC United. I am saying I just, that. I'm just. I want. I want you to make it very clear that is in fact what you just said. You're going to see some Dax McCarty in the back, shielding the back line, kind of a throwback to the uh, Hans Baca days. Uh, Felipe will most likely be he'll he'll have to stay back. I mean, I know that the instinct is to go forward, but he's going to have to stay back as well. And they're gonna they're gonna beat him on the counter attack. There's a lot of speed on this team, and after Bradley Wright Phillips' performance uh, on opening day, not being able to get a single shot off, not having any type of service whatsoever, the team has had two weeks to work on this stuff. I know the back line is beyond shaky. Uh, but this isn't. Uh, this is a time where the team has to come together and find a victory. It's call it narrative, call it what you will, but the climate being what it is, there's no other result for New York this weekend. And I do think that they will be able to. DC has been good, uh, but you saw them struggling against Montreal a bit. Yep. And uh, that experience is going to be put to the test. Uh, Arietta, like I said, if he has service he will be able to score. If that service isn't there, if it's somehow cut off on the road, it's a different story. So I think that things can align the right way. A lot depends, of course, on the center backs, whether Miazga will be able to hold up, whether Perrinell can be the veteran leader on that line. Of course, that's going to be something we'll be watching the entire game, but New York has no choice. They have to go out there and win. So you're basically, you're basically saying New York's going to line up just about in a 6-3-1 yeah. in an attempt to uh, make up for defensive uh, weaknesses. 6-3-1, Lloyd Sam running it. I mean, that's going to be – it's going to be that kind of a match for the Red Bulls. Uh, heavy right. on the counter, heavy on the speed on the flanks, and uh, covering as much as possible on that defensive side. I, I, I think they'll be able to pull it off. Okay, so thank you for that. Uh, yeah. That's not what's going to happen at all. Um, <laughs> this, there's no way that this defense is going to shut out a team like DC United. There, there's no no possible way. I, I think New York concedes twice. The good thing is I think they're going to score twice as well. I think Bradley Wright Phillips is going to get on the board. I don't necessarily see in Boswell or Birnbaum a guy that's going to be able to completely shut Bradley down. So I think it's going to be a 2-2 draw. And as, as much for you saying that New York, New York must get a win, um, this franchise has a, a history of not getting what they need. So I'm going to call it a 2-2 draw. Let's turn our attention before we go to break, of course, to the, uh, the atmosphere right now. Uh, in the city with the market, um, with the two teams after last uh, week's, frankly, picture-perfect experience uh, up in the Bronx. Just about every media story was a gushing um, love fest Mm -hmm. about what happened over there with thousands of people, seemingly every single person who has either never attended an MLS match or never was even aware of the New York Red Bulls, uh, went to this game and bought a scarf and bought a hat and really bought everything. And so there's already a love fest after this perfect blue game. And so I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on you know, what happens now, because now it's time for New York to return surf. Well, the initial reaction, okay, because we all expected disaster is, is shock. It couldn't have gone any better, as you said. It was a picture-perfect blue day uh, for NYCFC. And now I do want to turn the attention back to the Red Bulls. How do you counter well, that? Well, that? this is a perfect place to do that. Absolutely. How do you counter it? You know, as of right now, I, I will say... 
that on a bye week, I have never seen the Red Bulls name mentioned in newspapers so much. And it's mainly from being buried in between NYCFC articles. I mean, they are getting their mentions out there. They are not lost in the market. Having said that, New York has to do something to stand alone. Uh, all uh, this is the whole philosophy that Don Garber had from the get-go, right? All ships are going to rise together here in the same rising tide. Uh, but in that rising tide, Red Bull has to try to stand alone, and it starts with this home opener. There's a lot, Mark. There's there's so much emotion heading into this home opener, uh, stemming back from the Mike Petke firing uh, through. I mean, people that are oblivious to it and are just there to see DC United, the main rival. Uh, this is going to be a statement game, and it's going to continue with this narrative. Finally, there is this glare of media attention. You want it to continue, no matter good, bad, or indifferent. You want there to be something written about your club. NYCFC is going to continue opening those doors. Red Bull will now fall under the microscope this weekend with the stadium that they are calling Built for Soccer, right? Uh, Let's see how many people go into that stadium that's built for soccer. Uh, the attendance, the atmosphere, and of course the supporters. I will repeat this, and I said it during uh, during the show that we had a couple of weeks ago with Dan. The biggest difference, and it was shown on day one, between what the South Ward can do and what the Third Rail can do, you're talking about novices to the field, and you're talking about the hardcore veterans of the league. Uh, ESC, Viking Army, GSU have been through every single war. They have, they know how to bring an atmosphere to a stadium. They have their songs down pat. They don't have to go practice off of YouTube and Skype each other. This is a, a fan base that can electrify, that can help to turn a narrative. And, you know, despite all the pain that happened this, uh, this winter, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that there is, a vibrant show of support to show that not only is NYCFC thriving, but the Red Bulls are right there with them. And they have a chance to make that statement this weekend. It's not a must win. Nothing's must win in the third week of the season. Uh, but as far as narrative goes, as far as this budding rivalry with the, uh, with the folks across the Hudson, I think it's incredibly important to come out with a victory. Yeah. I'm I'm just I'm not so sure and maybe it's just because I'm I'm aware of the history of this team I'm aware of the history of all of the th- seemingly the missed opportunities that have happened over the years when you compare and contrast uh, New York's home opener in 1996 with uh, curricula to what happened the other day in the Bronx it it's it's it just seems to me as if uh, these clubs are just having, will have two very different stories to tell. That doesn't necessarily mean that the Red Bulls can't find success and, and that they won't find success. It just means that I, for one, am not necessarily buying into narrative that um, if New York doesn't uh, win or if New York doesn't have a good crowd or if New York doesn't have a good showing, then somehow that means something. I think that the the leadership around this team on the business end, and we're going to hear obviously from Marta Grandpre in the next segment, they're going to do it the way they do it because that's what they've always done. And they're not necessarily um, going to measure themselves against these other guys. I know after talking with you, Dave, that there are a lot of people that would love well, there, were, there are a lot of people anyway They would love to see um, the Red Bulls respond in a big way 
to what happened last weekend. Um, I guess the only way they can do that, frankly, is to fill the arena and have a competitive match. Um, I'm not so sure they have to win. I think they just have to put on a show and um, show everyone what the best soccer-specific stadium in the United States looks like when it's uh, nearly sold. And, and also the kind of play that you have on the field. Let's start to see some of that. Look, it, we've only seen it once. We've seen one game under Marsh, but they're talking about up-tempo soccer. They're talking about uh, a thrilling style to watch. They have some of the pieces there. They've gotten younger this uh, this winter. Let's see that in practice. Let's see what they can bring aboard uh, this weekend at Red Bull Arena. I'm not – just going back to something that you had said – and we're speaking about narratives, clearly. Yeah. Uh, I'm not one to buy into the narrative that the battle's already lost either. I'm not into into thinking that this team, New York City FC, which have really done everything that could possibly go wrong, everything that could possibly go wrong has gone wrong for that club. I don't see how one majestic, uh, unbelievably perfect night at Yankee Stadium uh, can reverse all of that fortune. They still have to run the team. They still have to sell Sporting KC next week. How do yep. you drag these people back? One game is a spectacle. Coming back, well, that's a different story. And that's, I think, over time, though the pitch was perfect at Yankee Stadium, though things went without a hitch, there are still landmines throughout the path in the Bronx. And that is what can turn the table. The Red Bulls don't have to worry about the field being a disaster. Uh, they kind of got over that after the Hans Baca era. They gave the grass some time to grow there. Things rooted down, and you got a perfect pitch. There's no real complaints any longer like there were in, in year one and year two about the field at RBA. Uh, this is a, a stadium that's ready to play. They have a good grounds crew. They're ready to go. And they have, again, some talent that can be – exciting to watch if played in the right way so that is why i put so much importance as nycfc made a very good first impression on the field the red bulls have to do the same the first this is a do-over for everybody you know what i mean this is the reason why they bought the blue team in they want to have a new focus a new spotlight on the new york city market and this is the red bulls chance to have a first impression again again <laughs> make it the third first impression they've had so far in their history and and do it right do it right i'm just i'll be very curious if um the new york media will pay any attention to sunday afternoon's game uh given the amount of coverage that the blue team got last week and uh, i i'll go out on a limb here in saying that it will be a fraction of uh, the kind of coverage that we saw last week which is this should surprise absolutely no one when we're back on Seeing Red, we're going to talk to New York Red Bulls general manager, Mark DeGrandpre, about the business side of the team, plans for the year, and um, encountering that other team. We'll be back after this at Seeing Red at Backheel.com. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. We're back on Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, like Voltron, back together with you talking Red Bulls before the New York Red Bulls 2015 home opener. We're very, very pleased to be able to have, uh, for his second time in his current stint uh, with New York Red Bulls, that's General Manager Mark de Grandpre. Mark, how are you tonight? Very good. How about you guys? Very, very excited for a home Red Bulls match. Actually, very excited for, for a Red Bulls match after a week off. Um, let's start here. Big season, 20th anniversary, 
Talk to us a little bit, if you would, about the kinds of things that you have planned uh, to commemorate such a special anniversary. Yeah, we're extremely excited about, obviously, this 2015 season being our 20th anniversary. Um, there's two big themes that we're going to carry out through the season uh, amongst many things, but the two main ones we want to talk about or touch on is, well, we will recognize throughout the season our season ticket holders that have been with us since day one. So they'll be uh, incorporated in a lot of um, activities pre-game, in-game, post-game, um, and recognizing them throughout the season, providing them with unique experiences, meeting groups with our alumni. Um, and then on top of that, obviously throughout the season, regularly we'll be honoring, you know, our alumni and we'll have, you know, we've seen some of it being discussed now, best 20 and 20. Uh, so, you know, every game we'll, uh, we'll be talking about bringing back some of our alumni, honoring them and, you know, memorializing them in the arena. Um, I'm not going to say where or when, but everyone will see some of that uh, in, in the coming weeks. So we're, we're excited to be doing that. You know, it's bringing back not only our players and talking about the history and the, and the great things that have occurred over the years, but also really recognizing the, the fans and the supporters that have been with us since day one, which to us was also very, very important to make sure that they were recognized and thanked for everything and uh, they've done and the support they've given us over the years. But that's two things that will be part of a, a comprehensive plan that we have for the season to, to really celebrate this milestone year, not only for our club, but for the MLS. You know, Mark, the last time we spoke, one of the things that, uh, that you'd brought up was uh, possibly having a, uh, a Hall of Fame or a Ring of Honor, however you want to put it, uh, for the Red Bulls, honoring, again, as you said, as part of this motif for the 20th anniversary, uh, bringing back all uh, alumni, as you call them. And uh, there are some special players in the history of this club. Is that something that's still in the works? Absolutely. So I, I don't want to, you know, give everything away tonight but yeah you'll see some <laughs> give a little away that, tonight mark give yeah, a little away you'll see some names on walls memorialized in the stadium and you know um some maybe um in different areas but you'll see we're definitely making sure that everyone understands when they walk in the building uh throughout the course of the season obviously it's going to develop as the season unfolds here um that, you know, by the end of the season, folks will get a clear understanding of what's occurred over the last 20 years, where we've been, who's been through uh, the doors of Giant Stadium and obviously at Red Bull Arena, and um, it really will tell a great story. Mark, obviously uh, international teams barnstorming North America is something that ha has happened with, with a lot of regularity, and obviously the Red Bulls, have played host uh, last season to Arsenal um, with the, the word that some of uh, two weekend matches have been shifted to weeknights f during the season. Can Red Bull fans expect a high-profile international friendly this season? Yes, our fans should expect um, a high-profile international friendly the July window was obviously freed up to accommodate those things. And obviously the April 4th match, we, we moved it to accommodate our MLS partner, you know, the impact of a, a big, big match coming up that week. And um, we wanted to make sure they would be fully focused and prepared to represent us in the CONCACAF Champions League. And we hope that they do well. And that's why we moved that game in April. Mark, given the fact that in general, weeknight attendance is 
probably about 5,000 heads short of a regular mm-hmm. weekend game. Mm-hmm. Um, is there concern on your end about making those two, giving up those two weekend matches for midweek games, which for, for the, really for the history of the league just have not drawn very well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a consideration we honestly looked at uh, as we were going through that. The, 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 I think we'll be okay. The Montreal game being shifted to October, I think we'll do um, as well, if not better, than it would have done in early April, I believe. Uh, it was Easter weekend, so there's a lot of other other factors that went to that decision. And also, it was you know it was a, a league and club decision around the board to accommodate our partner here. So uh, we did the right thing for our partner there, and um, it was the right thing to do. Uh, and, and, and this summer, I think our fans will be very pleased when we announce um, our plans for the international friendlies. Is there a timetable for that announcement? Yeah, I think we should be able to announce this within the next, I'd say, seven to fourteen days. Here, we should, you know, we should have everything finalized. You know, this all leads up, Mark, to what has really been a vibrant part of the storyline here in, in New York as, as the as the Red Bulls continue to cement their past with the Metro Stars and uh, honor a lot of their past players this year. And this is some fantastic stuff you're revealing to us. Uh, across the river, you do have New York City FC, who have garnered a ton of media attention recently. Uh, first of all, before we delve into them, uh, what is what is uh, your impression, your first impressions, really, of uh, the after effects of what they were able to do this Sunday, and the after effects of uh, of the media coverage and everything else that uh, New York City FC has garnered? One, you know, I think they, they did a great job. On congratulations to them, to their staff, the team on putting off a great kickoff opener to their history, right, as a club in the area. Um, you know, it was a success for them, I think, for the league, for the game itself, right? The the, the media attention that they've garnered for everyone, it's, it's good for the league, it's good for us, it's good for them, and hopefully we'll follow that up with a great match this weekend. Um, and at the end of the day, as I've said all along, I think it's a win-win situation for everyone, Why? Right? We want them to succeed off the pitch, on the pitch. You know, we'll see. Uh, but if we both succeed uh, in driving awareness for the game, for the league, uh, for the sport in the, in the metro area, I think we will both win, and ultimately the fans will win. And, and that's the key key point to make here. It's about driving the awareness of the game and making it accessible to more fans in the metro area, and this is just going to help everyone. And at the end of the day, right, Nine years ago, when we launched, uh, you know, after uh, 10 years of Metro Stars and converted to the Red Bulls, we had 46,000 people at Giant Stadium. So um, it was to be expected that their first home match would be a huge success. Absolutely. I mean, with the the pomp and circumstance Mm -hmm. surrounding this 20th franchise, uh, Mm -hmm. you can definitely bet that they will be getting uh, much of the the media glare and attention for the beginning half of the season. As Mm -hmm. as the season goes on, though, they're again, Red Bull has already started positioning themselves by really touting their strengths, the the history of the club, uh, the the stadium in Harrison. As this goes on, is that going to continue to be the way that Red Bull combats this? How, How do you combat... Uh, a juggernaut, really, NYCFC when it comes to their marketing plans and everything else and kind of juxtapose that to what Red Bull has to offer? Yeah, I think it's going to be about the experience we deliver for our fans and when, you know, their fans come to our arena two, twice this season, um, I think they'll they'll experience a game 
the way it should be experienced in, in a soccer-specific stadium, and it'll open some eyes to how great of an experience it is in our arena. And I think we'll continue to be doing what we do in the community, right? We just this week or last night, right, we announced our partnership with uh, the U.S. Soccer Foundation. We're um, basically rehabbing a uh, soccer field um, at University Settlement on the east side, working with the east side community high school, University Settlement. And within the next two months, right, they'll have a brand new field where kids can play, the high school can practice. I mean, we were there last night. I mean, they were, you know, playing on mud and roots and, and it just wasn't safe. And you're going to see more and more of those initiatives for us in the New York metro area, right? In Newark, Ironbound, and the city itself. Um, and we think that's that's our strategy and we have a clear plan on how we're going to attack it. And we're, we're, we're going to stay focused on our plan. Mark, what do you say to the site of thousands of soccer fans in the city that, for whatever reason, um, were turned off or at least never turned on enough by this franchise uh, to become fans. And I say that simply because uh, I'm sure you read uh, with great interest seemingly every media report about Sunday's game spoke to a fan that pretty much said something like, and it's a bit of narrative, right, of finally a team in the city, that other team is too far away, and it, I, I don't want to root for that team. And as as the man who is responsible for getting uh, butts and seats, if you will, mm-hmm. um, and building support for the team, what do you? how do you respond to that? You know, I think, again, it's... I don't want to say it's a it's a small minority that said it was a, a you know they had a great great crowd this Sunday. Um, I believe we're we're doing everything we can to attract uh, the soccer fans to our arena who are interested in the sport. And if I look you know objectively at all the metrics I look at every week, you know the numbers are headed in the right direction. We're ahead of last year across the board if you look at every possible metric in terms of season ticket holders in terms of our home opener we're ahead of where we were last year in terms of revenue from merchandise sales in terms of sponsorship sales going up 100 percent so all those things tell me that there's a deep interest in our club in what we have to offer not only from a fan perspective but from a partnership perspective uh and they will eventually come. The folks who experienced New York, uh, you know, Yankee Stadium this weekend, once they come through the path uh, to our arena, once they decide to just walk in for for one match, and maybe it'll be against New York City FC, or maybe it'll be another match, um, we know that our experience will far outmatch the one that they experienced this weekend. Uh, there is no doubt, right? We know that the sight lines there aren't perfect. We know our sight lines are perfect. Uh, we know our staff is 100% committed to this club uh, at Yankee Stadium. They have other priorities sometimes. So we're, and, and that's been our focus this year in the offseason, right? Working with Delaware North, improving every uh, facet of the business once a fan enters the building has been a key priority. And as the season unfolds, hopefully fans will see an improvement game in and game out, right? You're never going to get perfect the first game, but it's going to improve as the season unfolds. 
with with no considerable dip, actually no dip at all in season ticket holders uh, for the New York Red Bulls and outpacing yourselves opening day to opening day, year to year, uh, is it fair to say that you can dispel the idea, the myth, if you'd like to call it that, that Red Bull fans were going to automatically defect? Uh, this was a big fear throughout last year, that mm-hmm. Red Bull fans would suddenly just cross the, uh, the Hudson and say, you know what, we're starting life anew in blue. But that hasn't been the case. Uh, talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah, no, I think that was just, uh, you know, unfounded theories, I guess, or, you know, talk out there. But, you know, as I said, being ahead of the game as we have been over the last few months, uh, I think the fans that have followed this club, that have been with this club, right, that have fought with this club, that have cried, that have cheered, um, that have uh, celebrated, are going to stick with us. Uh, through thick and thin, and hopefully they'll be rewarded uh, eventually with uh, what they have been long waiting for, uh, a championship. So, um, you know, their commitment has been unwavering, and it's unbelievable. And we are, you know, we're we're lucky to have such passionate fans. And um, and we've seen also new fans come in in droves, right? I, I believe we've added almost, uh, you know, the same amount of new season ticket holders as we did last season. So our renewals are great and we're still adding new fans. So again, I think it's the rising tides, right? The awareness for the league, the game, um, folks that may were maybe not aware that we were around now realize we're around because of all the media coverage that's going around the game and decide to jump in and, um, you know, chose us over the other team. Mark, obviously, you know, you'd mentioned the passion of the team and you'd mentioned the unwavering support of the team, but there's also um, a very vocal group of people that would like ownership to sell the team, and they've been very visible. And if, I'm sure if you lean out your window to the left or the right, I guess, and squint, you can see some of what they have to say. Um, and you certainly saw that kind of passion uh, back at the town hall meeting earlier this season. Um, what do you have to? How do you respond to a group of fans that have taken out a large billboard, uh, you know, 300 yards from the stadium, uh, asking politely for ownership to find something else to do? One, you know, thank them for raising the awareness. One way or the other, right? People are seeing more of our name out there. Uh, number two is, listen, I have, uh, I know what our owner has committed to this game. We've all seen it physically, emotionally, what he's done for the game in the metro area. Um, and I don't think you can find a better owner and a more committed owner, right? From everything we've invested in youth development through our academy, through our training facility, now the USL team and our first team and everything we've invested in for our fans over the years. Yes, we haven't won a championship. We all know that, but let's not look in the past. Let's look ahead. Um, and I'd be hard-pressed for anyone to find a, a an owner who's not as committed as he is. And because he's not living here does not mean he's not committed, right? He watches the game. He's absolutely involved in every major decision that occurs here. Um he supports where we're going, the direction we're going in, and um, we he's committed to our fans, the game, the MLS, and all the MLS partners, and uh, we couldn't be uh, luckier as, uh, you know, employees of the club and our fans, uh, hopefully, will soon realize that we're fortunate to have a man who's 
you know, invested, invested and invested in this game, this sport in the metro area um, without, you know, a hesitation. There, there has been bought, since he bought the team. Sure, and there have been, as you said, the investment in the club, bringing in the Thierry Henrys and Team Cahills of the world, Red Bull Arena, the investments without question. It's just the presence that at times is, is what fans are looking for. Is Will, will they ever find a day where where the owner, where, the, where Red Bull will actually come to Harrison to actually witness a game? Has there been any talk about ownership actually arriving and, and showing face? You never know. They may be pleasantly surprised this season. Oh, that's a that's a nice little uh, that's a nice little look for the rest of the year. Then something to look forward to. Let's let's yeah. talk a little bit about the about the arena this year because a lot, as you said, it, it's a the arena is a selling point for the team. Uh, as you mm-hmm. said, uh, the sight lines are excellent. I, I could tell you just from being in uh, in the media box there, it was very easy to be distracted because the play wasn't in your face like it is at Red Bull Arena. Uh, to go and look at other things, <laughs> just mm-hmm. not focus on it. the sidelines are rough at Yankee Stadium, granted. But at the arena, there are certain fan experiences, there are certain uh, aspects of the experience uh, that have been spoken about in the past that have uh, that have really hindered uh, the Red Bull fans at, at the arena, specifically talking about concessions, uh, the lines of the concession stands, talking about you know travel with the path. Uh, the constant state mm-hmm. of construction that it's in. Uh, is there any? Are there any updates on the arena experience and how the team will be able to uh, to improve that for the season? Yeah. So as I said earlier, you know, we we brought in a, a new GM to manage all our concessions and, and retail at the arena, who is absolutely hands down, sort of refreshed, revived the entire staff there, and is solely focused. Literally, when he came in, right, the message was clear. It's about the fans. It's about their experience. And we better make sure that every time your staff, our staff interacts with our fans, it, they leave with a smile. And we've invested close to, uh, you know, a million dollars in improving the experience from the egress, right? We've removed all the turnstiles. We're working with a new uh, pod system where you can use any form of ticket, like from paper, uh, printed, your your card, your phone, any medium you think you can use to 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 tender to come in works with this system. We're excited about that. Um, to uh, improving the concessions areas, removing barriers at purchase, right? No more signatures for anything under twenty five dollars. Continuing to use the cans and not having to pour them uh, at the concessions. We've invested in new uh, retail merchandising. Uh, you know, kiosks around a few sections in the stadium, new food menus, better maps of where the food, various foods, uh, you know, items are located throughout the arena. Um, we're just really focused on that. And we're looking at, you know, always being ready for 10% more that's coming in. You know, at halftime, we're going to always be prepared in advance. Well, last year, I can honestly tell you that um, – the mindset was different with our partner. It, it wasn't about the fan experience, and now we've totally made a, a 180, and a, we're heading in the right direction where we're going to be looking at speed of service, you know, on a regular basis, doing audits and making sure that all those things are improving. No doubt, we're, you know, it's not going to be perfect day one, but as I said, every game it's going to get better. And when we talk about, you know, working with the town and the path, we know that there will be. Uh, no construction now with the path on the weekend, so we should have some 
much better access on game days uh, through the path. And we've got to deal with the construction in Harrison for a few more months here, you know. But we know that there's an end game here, and it's going to be perfect in a few uh, months here. And we're excited about what we're doing. And, and you know, I can't say enough that, um, you know, Marcus, the new GM for, for Delaware North, has done an amazing job in a few short weeks that he's been here. And I hope that our fans see a big difference in the attitude, the service, the speed of service, and uh, the, um, the menu items available for them throughout the arena. Mark, one thing that Red Bull fans have found differently so far this season is that tickets are available on Ticketmaster instead of through the uh, online store. And while mm-hmm. Ticketmaster certainly is a known quantity, there's also a per-ticket fee that's added uh, for the privilege of using their service. I'm curious if you can give us an update on the decision to go with Ticketmaster and whether that's a permanent move or what we might see from them moving forward. So Ticketmaster was obviously a big decision for us. We think it's a better tool, again, when we talk about having access to a larger pool of folks who may be interested in soccer with our previous provider didn't have the reach that Ticketmaster had, right? No one does in the industry. So it offers us a much larger reach. We can market our games to a much broader audience through their network. It also enables us to partner with the latest and greatest technology uh, in terms of, obviously, as I said, egress into the building, in terms of managing a rewards point system with our new partner that we have that we'll unveil, obviously, this year, in terms of providing our fans with upgradable experiences, which we're going to test at some point this season through um, a mobile app. So the Ticketmaster offered us a suite of things that we think we weren't, be, we weren't capable of offering with our, our previous provider. So it's a major step in the right direction for us. Um, and we, you know, we've done everything we could in the agreement with Ticketmaster to minimize and control the fees they charge. Um, you know, if you look at other partners um, around the league, some ticketing fees across the sports landscape must be, can be much higher. So we really worked on minimizing that. And um, I hope that our fans see the benefit and the ease of access and, transferring ticket, managing their account and their reward system. Much, uh, it's going to be much improved with this platform. So as of right now, speaking of tickets, how are ticket sales looking for opening day? As I said, we're, we're, we're way ahead of where we were last year. And, and, you know, last year in 2014, right, we were coming off the supporter shield. Uh, we had the big name. So to me, seeing this progress, this, this off season, just, clearly solidifies that we're heading in the right direction. And there's a, there's a pent up demand for this home match. Everyone's excited. It's been a, it's been a long off season and you know, this week off last week was really, I mean, it just, it just drew it out for us and now we're ready to go. And I think our fans are excited. Hopefully the weather will cooperate. I'm a little worried about this cold weather coming in this week. Uh, But you know, the field is ready. It looks beautiful and uh, the arena will be absolutely ready for every single fan coming in. We've Mark, moved the boulevard. Mark, are, are you going to be putting sod on top of third base? <laughs> uh, no, we don't have that problem. We don't have foul pole lines. Uh, I'm, covering, I'm covering three teams now, so and I have a... Yeah, I you're confused. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Mark, you, you've been great, and we will, you've uh, spent a, a, a tremendous amount of time with us. We really appreciate it. Um, let's just close here, and, and we talked about it a little bit when we first talked to you um, earlier last year. When, when we look back at 2015 at the end of the season, what are your key success metrics in a season where you have a very, very loud competitor that's only a few miles away? Obviously, you know, the, the performance on the field is, 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 is critical, but when we look at um, the items that we can control, right, it's going to be, as I, I just spoke about, the, the speed of service in the arena, the fan experience, the feedback we get, so we get from our fans all around their experience and the service they get at the arena. Again, all the key revenue drivers that you can think of, right, from partnership revenue, skybox sales, ticket revenue, um, merchandise sales, F&B, all those things, as long as they're headed in the right direction and going north, which they are now at a, at a pace that we didn't expect, right, to double our sponsorship revenue after being two months into this new season, uh, to me, is uh, it's a tribute to the staff and what they're doing and how they're pushing the business forward and a tribute to our partners and our fans that are seeing value in this franchise. So, we have key performance indicators on the on the revenue side, and then there's soft intangibles that we'll look at, you know, just from fan feedback throughout the season. Obviously, honoring our history and bringing that to life, for me internally with the staff, it's incredibly important that we deliver a flawless message and story throughout the season. So there's a lot of things we're going to look at, but there's the key revenue drivers, the experience in stadium how it's improved, it continually improves game after game, and we have some key metrics that we'll look at. And then the whole story of celebrating our 20th season. Um, uh, if we pull off what we have on plan and if we execute properly, I think everyone will be happy about, uh, about the 2015 season, and hopefully we'll cap it off with something special at the end. Mark DeGrandpre is the general manager of the New York Red Bulls. Mark, thank you once again for joining us on Seeing Red, and we'll check in with you as we uh, as we get to the warmer months, which uh, which will be just about anything. But let's let's check in in midseason, see how we're doing. Perfect. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Your emails after this on Seeing Red at backheel.com. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Seeing Red, New York Soccer Roundup, Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, kicking it old school on Seeing Red. Third segment, your emails. This is how it works. You write us at seeingredny at gmail. We read our best five emails on the show. It's pretty cool. We've been doing it a while now. Here's Dave Palladino from Stanford, Connecticut. As you can imagine, folks, a lot of our emails have to do with uh, the second team in the market. Dear members of Voltron, defenders of our New York soccer universe, last Friday morning, I found myself listening to Extra Time Radio on my commute into the city. The ETR gang was interviewing a representative of the Third Rail. In his interview, the gentleman described his soccer fandom, started watching 20-plus years ago, scoured the Internet for any news, watched whatever was on TV, became an avid Arsenal fan, and then he said it. He tried a few times to get an MLS, but he just couldn't. And then I muttered to myself, 20-year Arsenal fan from New York can't get into MLS despite the local team having a crown jewel of a stadium, red as the primary color, and Terry freaking Henri, arguably Arsenal's greatest player ever. You're a schmuck, 
No wonder you follow the blue team. And the feeling I had in my gut, says Dave, is the kind of bile usually reserved for thoughts against the scum in D.C. All out of the blue. Are these negative feelings towards an expansion team that barely exists normal? Or is there a support group for someone like me? I mean, we haven't even faced them yet on the field. Thanks for all the great work you do for us. Sincerely, Dave Palladino. I mean, Twitter on last Sunday was full of vitriol and full of unhappy New York fans. And I I will uh, can certainly own up to being one of them, Um, you know, being very unhappy uh, watching that game. And I think you know, if we can serve as your fo- as your support group, this is why we're here. <laughs> we're we're here, Dave. Right. We're here for you. Right. So, are we getting paid for that? Uh, I'm not. Oh, neither am I. But you know, since we're so charitable and loving guys, it mm-hmm. just fits into what we do here. Um, listen, there was uh, <laughs> vitriol is definitely one way of putting it. I, I know for a fact while we were in the uh, in the press box covering the game, a, a lot of the reporters were kind of just showing each other some of the tweets that were coming through. It was uh, it got it got pretty nasty. But again, you know, people like to talk so much about what's been built in the past with Red Bulls, bringing Thierry Henry. What else could we have done to make the Red right. Bulls, uh, you know, bigger, better? What have what have we been saying on this show, Mark, for the last three years? How much have we spoken about the marketing of the clubs? And so many, so many things that they could have done that weren't done, that were refused to be done. Uh, ways of capitalizing on Thierry Henry's fame that just at times did not happen. Yes, you had a couple of Arsenal friendlies and. Uh, that's a great way to uh, to establish that relationship and to prop up that star. But I still think they could have done more. There was plenty of there were plenty of moments that the Red Bulls could have just gone out in front, uh, owned the market without having to worry about being pushed there by competition. But we're here in this particular position now. And as I again going back to the show that I did with Dan. Uh, asked whether or not uh, there should be a hatred. There should absolutely be a hatred. This is a crosstown rival. This is not Yankees-Mets for 70 years. Well, 70, you know what I'm saying. For 30 mm-hmm. years, playing in two different divisions, not seeing each other. You're going to see each other consistently, constantly. You're going to be measured up to each other consistently, constantly. This is why the narratives are going to matter. There's still going to be narratives. There's a lot that can be filled in between of uh, of truth and, and uh, you know, people rambling on about uh, how big NYCFC is and how they're going to dominate the market, but I, don't, I just don't see it that way. If competition can drive the Red Bulls, if they're not selling the team, if they're really focused on putting out the best product possible under a budget uh, with the right identity, with the right focus, they can compete. They do have some competitive advantages over NYCFC, and to me, the battle isn't over. It's not over. They could have had... Uh, a, a better footing going into this year? Absolutely. They could have sold themselves better. They could have established a better identity. They could have done many things in the past. They didn't. They're here now. You can absolutely hate the blue team forever. And the Red Bulls can, again, as I said earlier, uh, they have a chance here to make another first impression. So take advantage of it. Take advantage of the new glare, the new media, the new spotlight, and, and start over. Treat this as a new experiment. I'm just really happy that we have a game. I, you know, that's another thing. That bye week. Where, what is... Oh, man. It's the bye week came from the league not wanting to share, have the New York share the spotlight with two teams. That's where it came from. That's it. 
I mean, right? What else is it going to be? If there was another game happening 12 miles away two hours earlier, you're splitting something. I don't even know what you're splitting. And in general, there's just so much going on with the league. We we, uh, have spoken about it. Uh, I think you actually mentioned it in the last show. Um, about the email blast that was sent out to uh, to Red Bull fans mm-hmm. from the league through the league, they're trying to prop it up that way. If you look at the social media, which I thought was very telling, all of a sudden the New York that has come to signify the New York Red Bulls forever was turned to NYR on their uh, on Twitter hashtags and accounts, which is the New York Rangers Twitter hashtag. Yeah. Uh, it's a complete slap in the face. How they, how you cannot differentiate and say, look, one is NYC, the other one's NY. I don't see how that could have. To go with NYR just kind of shows you the direction of things. Kind of shows you where the yep. support and structure. In the league is. office. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, New York sure. have a lot, a lot. New York Red Bulls. New York, as I refer to them, uh, have a lot of work to do to establish themselves in the market, but. This is, again, a second chance. There is an opportunity here if they seize it. Here's Kevin Daniels, who writes, Love the show, but can't wait until this who shows up or who doesn't shows up is over so you can take that line out. Okay. I guess uh, Kevin likes the three-man booth on a weekly oh, basis. Oh, okay. Uh, my I think that's what Kevin's out. saying. I got it. If we win on Sunday, does that crush the spirits of the Red Bull out movement? And God forbid we make the playoffs with the extra spot. So them protesting, trying to ruin it for everyone else who's paid their hard-earned money to enjoy a soccer match is a quote-unquote dick move. I didn't vote for Obama, but I'm not going to stand in front of your TV in your house and shout at you while you watch the State of the Union address. Okay. Interesting. One of the weak arguments they have is that the owner never attended a game, right? So so protesting for him to sell when he is not there to see it? Come on. Either it's really dumb or calling it what it is. Missing Mike Petke, but without Henri, we wouldn't even be sobbing over Petke. So let's get real. So here's the thing, Kevin. Um, if you view uh, a a bunch of people that that uh, have a different philosophy, that they're actually ruining it for everyone else. I, I don't know if that's what the Red Bull Out movement is trying to do. Um, I think the Red Bull Out movement is responding to a series of missteps over a very, very long time, and they'd like to see someone else take control of their team. Uh, I'm not necessarily defending them because I'm not I'm not sure if I necessarily agree that this is the best way to go about it. But you can't deny their opportunity or at least the the notion that they can stand up and create a movement and buy a billboard if they want and be as vocal as they want. I don't necessarily think it's it's trying to ruin it for everyone else. If you support the ownership and you weren't a Petke fan, then I I guess all is well with you. But uh, it's 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 you have to look and see everyone's point of view. So. All you can do, I guess, if you if you are very happy with what Red Bull has done over their time owning the team, then you look at the Red Bull out guys and say, you know, sit down and be quiet. I'm just going to watch the game. So, Dave, oh, oh, any thoughts on that? Over time, Mark, over over the years, you start to see uh, within the Red Bull fan base uh, certain mannerisms, uh, certain uh, aspects of, of their fandom. 
and how exactly they go about using it and how they how they employ it and how uh, they show their colors. Uh, over the years, we've seen several people complain about the missteps, as you call them, with the Red Bulls, but no one is really organized to do anything about it. And here's a group that really saw it as a last straw. There are times where I look at the Red Bull Out group and think, okay, you know, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot because there's no way if you support soccer and you want to support first division soccer, you have two choices here. And if you're not happy with Red Bull, the other choice is across the river. Uh, the Red Bull the Red Bull Out guys are not looking to make the blue switch. They just want to make something better here. And in order to do that, I mean, you have to get ownership's attention. Uh, how do you get ownership's attention when they're not here? You, you put up billboards. You uh, you set up as many protest campaigns as possible. And for once, you know, something has inspired a group of Red Bull fans to, to really mobilize. Uh, Petke's fire, firing was, a, was definitely a catalyst in that, but it's just the last straw on top of, uh, of several over, over many, yeah. many years. If you know the people yep. that have organized this movement, Long time, very long time. Long fans. Time, they know man. the history. They've been through it all. Uh, so again, I even if I may not agree with it, I don't know if I agree with it. To be honest with you, I, I I'm kind of on the fence with what Red Bull Out is doing. Um, but whether you agree with it or not, they're mobilizing. They're doing something. They're not doing it to counter the experience of the Red Bull fans. On the contrary, they're showing their fandom in their own way. Being a fan does not mean blindly following along you know there to be a good fan you do have to call out your club every now and again and if this is the route that they want to take they're going to take it they're not going blue they're staying red from what you could see but they're calling for gigantic change and if their if their movement can can i don't know make a dent so be it that is what they have decided to do but i don't think it's something that they're trying to take away from the experience of red bull fans no and, and frankly if you listen to mark de grand Prix's uh, interview red bull isn't going anywhere <laughs> they're they're not uh, going to be leaving anytime soon, despite whatever tea leaves you may be reading as the USL team is getting ready to go. Hey, did you know, Dave, the USL team launches in 10 days? Oh, man, I had a conversation with somebody about that today. Do you know anything about the roster? No, I I, I haven't heard a thing. Well, But they start playing in 10 I. days. They, they do, they do. And 10 days. Can I, I man, it's, I, I know it's late, Mark, but I, just a very quick rant. Uh, this is what kills me about the USL uh, alignment, the USL agreement with Major League Soccer. If you want to be a second division, the games have to matter. And if there's a team 10 days away from the season that is incomplete and just waltzing in, it cheapens the competition. That's mm -hmm. all I have to say about that. Yep. The team kicks off on March 28th at Red Bull Arena against, I believe, I believe Rochester. And we have no idea who will be playing on that team. I have a USL uh, beat reporter for the Red Bull beat there, and I don't know what to tell him. What is he going to do? I don't know. Anthony, if you're listening, uh, this is your editor, and I don't know. We'll see what okay. you're going to do. We know well he's the coach. Here's Victor Kim. Hey, guys, been listening to you guys since day one and have been supporting the team since the takeover. It's been interesting to watch Red Bull embrace MetroStars. Oh, takeover? From the takeover, oh, okay. This, yes. this is an interesting fan, okay. Yes, it's been interesting to watch Red Bull embrace MetroStars' heritage from the stadium banners, subtle nods on the new kid, and Metro Monday social media posts. I, for one, see these as a first very nice gesture of appreciation to New York soccer before Red Bull. However, there seems to be an identity crisis right now. You think? 
<laughs> that I can see is confusing <laughs> for new and perhaps old fans. Are we Red Bull or are we Metro? Why advertise with images of a team wearing a red and black kit with an unfamiliar crest and name when Red Bull bought the team to rebrand as their own? It seems odd to me that Red Bull would show off the Metro Stars days as their own rich MLS original team heritage because all those tales of the past eventually lead to the present. That present being Red Bull taking that heritage, wiping it out, and applying their name to it. If that heritage was so great, why did they relegate it why did they relegate all that it ever meant to be a hashtag? Doesn't seem like a very nice gesture. My only conspiracy theory is that Red Bull is surrendering New York City proper to the blue team and then just will rebrand as a team that is quote-unquote not defined by a zip code. Like the Patriots and Revs represent New England and not just Boston, perhaps Red Bull can rep by name and not just New York, but the entire tri-state region without being clumsily named New York, New Jersey. Mm. Perhaps our day, our, perhaps one day our name might be Red Bull Metro. What do you think in general? Are throwbacks contrived? Is it confusing? I know it is to my brother-in-law, who's slowly gaining interest in MLS, and is siding with the blue team as a result. My conspiracy theory grotesque even to consider Red Bull out? Thanks for the hard work. I can't wait to hear episode 1000 when you discuss the newly minted ProRel MLS system. Oh, boy. So, Victor, thank you for your note. Um, if there was half the amount of time spent supporting the team as there was arguing what the team was supposed to be called then New York Red Bulls games would be the most fantastic, wonderful experience in all of professional sports. I mean, my goodness. No, it should be New York. No, it should be New Jersey. No, it should be the Metro Stars. No, it should be the Red Bulls. No, it should be New York, New Jersey. No, it should be FC Underpants. No, it should be... I mean, it... Just, it is what it is, guys. It is what it is. It's not the New Jersey Red Bulls. It's not the New York Metro Stars. It's not the tri-state area who's he wants. It's This is what it is. Just either you're in or you're out. It's 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 very very frustrating. Though the New Jersey Hoosie Watts would be a freaking awesome name. I would support the Hoosie Watts. Hoosie Watts uh, FC. Mm -hmm. I, I dig that. Listen, I, one thing that Red Bull is doing uh, with this We Are Metro campaign, and it seems to be flying over everybody's head, Metro, short for metropolitan, short for metropolitan area, metropolitan area meaning Connecticut, Westchester, Long Island, the five boroughs, northern Jersey, uh, this is the metro area. So what they're saying is that they are bigger than just a zip code, which is what it's saying in the ad, and they're bigger than just five boroughs. They represent something larger, which is a great marketing tool if they can translate to the fans that message. It's, uh, it's, actually, it's actually quite powerful. Uh, and you don't need to change your name to do it. They could still be the New York Red Bulls. Um, the focus over the – honestly, the focus on the Grand Prix to, to really rebridge that gap with the past, which was, by the way, destroyed in 2006 because there was no value in holding on to that heritage at the time. They just wanted to change the brand. There was no mm -hmm. value to it. Now, here we are, 20th anniversary. You have to differentiate yourself from the monster across the river. What better way to do it than to celebrate your heritage, which – in 2006 was useless, but now is gold, and celebrate what you have in a in a beautiful soccer specific stadium. The, this is just it goes it comes down to business, guys. They are out there 
uh, looking for different ways of showing their ownership over New York and a larger scale area. And they're going to do so on the back of their history, which is something that no matter what, no matter how much money uh, is being poured into NYCFC come this summer, that's the one thing that they will never be able to have over the Red Bulls, which is history. So you've got to play to your strengths, and that's what you're going to see this year. I am so excited, Dave, mm-hmm. that our last email is actually about the players on the field. <laughs> Do we have one? Get out of here. Well, I guess this is what you get in a bye week. Um, when other teams are playing in the market, but I just can we just talk about games? Here's Danny from Ridgefield, Danny Benino, who says, "Hey guys, I'm a new fan of the podcast and wanted to respond to the topic on possibly adding another striker to play alongside BWP." You said Ali and Jesse might give it some time to see what their needs would become summer. With that being said, who do you think would be a good option to play with him up front? Thanks, Danny from Ridgefield. We know that CR7 isn't coming for three years. It's a hard question to answer. Who's out there? Well, it's a hard question to answer in a global soccer market. I think, why don't we think about this? Is there an MLS striker of the moment, let's just say, that a trade could be worked out? Just make it up. We know that New York obviously has lots and lots of room under the salary cap, which is uh, a rarity over the last couple of years. It truly is. So I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are um, on who might uh, – who would you like to see on the team? Who's who's playing well that's impressing you after one or two games? After one or two games, I mean, how difficult is that going to be, Mark? I, we're, I think the better option here is to probably switch off and say – uh, that New York has to be in the market for a second striker, which is, I mean, uh, it, it's evident. You, we saw what happened with Mike Grella, who, who works like a horse, man. The guy is, the guy is, is a blue-collar worker, but is he good enough to be up there with Bradley Wright Phillips? Uh, that's where the questions begin. And how can New York really benefit from the from the talent of a Bradley Wright Phillips if they have nobody feeding him the ball from the from the flanks those are bigger questions to me uh picking out names from out of the blue it's it's difficult to say i mean who would you pick out you <laughs> who would what would you give up first off you already gave up uh, an Ambrose Oyango uh which eventually led to Sasha question you saw mm-hmm. the blowback from Red Bull fans because you're letting go of a star prospect. In order to get talent, you have to give it up. Who would the Red mm-hmm. Bulls give up in, in their in their roster currently? Who would be a, a trade piece that would be able to bring back value? I, I just don't see any of that scenario working out. Well, let's say this. If you've got a post-up guy like Bradley, you need someone with blazing speed, right? You need someone that's going to be able to take guys on as a forward, not as a wing, and cut inside and, and you know, make something happen. So, you know, whether you're talking about someone like a Kakuta Mane right now, he's playing out in Vancouver, who's, you know, youngish. I was not going to say young anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, but players, players like that. I was really impressed with um, the new guy in Philly that, that dropped two on RSL over the week, Aris Tegueta, I think is his name. Yes. Um, he definitely impressed me. I mean, the season obviously is so young. It's very, very hard to, to say, oh, this is a, a guy that will definitely fit within the system. Right. Um, and when you have the entire world to find another forward, uh, it's a wonderful thing. But what about converting so, somebody within the roster? What about converting a Dane Richards, let's say, who will never see time <laughs> behind a Lloyd Sam? And look, I would laugh too. The guy has no shot. 
but <laughs> he at the very welcome back, Dave. Uh, <laughs> uh, at the very least, he can break down a line and and at least create space for Bradley Wright Phillips up top. I mean, look, I you have to at this point of the season. Uh, it, after one game, after one game, <laughs> yes, where you're looking for more reinforcements, where people have already gotten their jobs uh, settled nicely, at least the good players have. Uh, pickings are slim, man. Pickings are slim, unless they're going to be finding some kind of a solution overseas. Uh, I don't think that the Red Bulls have that kind of a scouting network. You're left to settle with what you have. Uh, go. What do you do if you're Jesse Marsh? Uh, grab a dozen roses and go to Piggy Luyendula's home. Get on your knees and say, please, one more, one more. Piggy, Piggy has still not signed the papers. He's he still, still not, not signed it. I, I, maybe he's being torn between his, you know, his five-a-side training field or his video games or his TV deals. I mean, Piggy is quite the entrepreneur. Uh, but again, if you really need him that bad, make him feel wanted. That's one thing that Piggy has not had since he's been in New York, the feeling of being wanted, always playing second fiddle and making a big impression towards the end of the year. Uh, somebody get to him, pull his heartstrings a little bit. And tell him we need you this year, pal. Uh, come on board. It can't be Mike Rella. The old, and again, Mike Rella, uh, Dane Richards, good players, good guys. Uh, are they going to be the types to break open a game? I don't know, and I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Peggy Luyendula has the the skills, and he's proven it to uh, to be able to break down a line with a simple pass. And few can do it like he does. Uh, that would be the person I would target. It's nice. Uh, we appreciate very much the question uh, about an actual player, Danny, and uh, <laughs> right? we, ho- we, <laughs> we hope to see you at Red Bull Arena this Sunday. We hope to see you at Red Bull Arena this Sunday, 5 o'clock. Uh, New York Red Bulls taking on D.C. United, first home game of the year. Weather looks a little chilly. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be certainly more brisk than the prior Sunday. And at least it looks like the skies will be dry. I know there was a threat of snow for Sunday earlier in the week. I think the forecast has cleared up. So uh, we're going to wrap a bow on this week seeing red. Dave sees, sees uh, somehow a one nothing victory by the Red Bulls over D.C. I see lots of goals uh, for in total. I'm hoping for a large crowd. Bring your friends. Tell your neighbors, wake the kids, my oh my. We'd like to thank Mark DeGrand Prey, General Manager of the Red Bulls, for joining us, and we'd like to thank you for listening. For Dave Martinez, I'm Mark Fishkin, saying thanks so much for listening to Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. We'll be back next week. Good night, everyone. This has been Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup, on Backheel.com. Listen anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, and SeeingRedNY.com.